Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks on their second round exit from the upcoming NBA playoffs. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. We're available on your smart speakers as well. You may not have known that, but now you do by saying play ESPN Radio. You're welcome. I'm Chris Carlin. He's Joe Fortenbaugh. What up? I've been hitting the restroom way too much today. I really? have been overdoing it with the water. Trying, I'm trying to hydrate. I'm trying to hydrate better. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm in the restroom. It's like every eight minutes. Yep. I Now I see where Mikey C's coming from. He chose the kidney stones. He said, yep. I don't need this life. I'm just going to cut out water. I'll deal with the kidney stones. At least that comes uh, with gaps in between. I'm running back and forth all day. Yeah, I got to tell you. I've been trying to say it for years. It's a controversial take. It's clear that big hydration and big toilets have been in cahoots for decades. And they are sticking it to everybody right now who is trying to sell you on this whole hydration bit. Big porcelain is in the pocket of big H2O. It's unbelievable. If you don't want to see it, that's on you. Open your eyes, though. That's all I'm going to say. I read that on Aaron Rodgers' blog. It's Carlin versus Joe. Doc Rivers is headed to the Milwaukee Bucks. Here we go. Good luck. Good luck. You don't like it. It doesn't sound like the big man likes it. I hate it. I can't stand it. And there are so many things wrong with this. But let's just start with the reaction to Doc going there. You got a three-hour show today. You got a three-hour show. Pace yourself, big man. I'm sorry. Here it comes. Doc's not a great playoff coach at all. And that's the biggest problem here. I look at the history of Doc Rivers and I look at what the Milwaukee Bucks are right now. And I can't think for a moment that he is going to fix the problems here. Do you know that Doc in his history, in the playoffs, when his team has three wins in a series, his career record is 16 and 33. Do you know that Doc has lost his last five game sevens? Do you know that he's lost his last four game sevens at home? Do you know that Doc is six and 10 in game sevens? His playoff record speaks for itself. He's got a championship and he's got another final appearance. But Joe, this pretty much means to me that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be out in the second round because that is what Doc Rivers does. Completely disagree. Love the move. Love the move because I am about process over results. And what the Milwaukee Bucks realized is that despite being 30 and 13, which is a really good result, their process was significantly flawed. Significantly. Now, we can get to Rivers in a moment because if you don't like the hire, that's fine. But given the options available to the Bucks right now, it's not like they had a lot at their disposal. Mm-hmm. Start with Adrian Griffin, the head coach. Was a disaster. Needed to move on. A lot of teams might look at the record and say 30 and 13, we're doing great. How? I'm going to give you three key reasons. Number one, leadership. Problems started in training camp immediately. There's a detailed report about a blow-up and an incident with assistant coach Terry Stotts. Now, Mm -hmm. a lot of people will remember that name. Stotts used to be the head coach in Portland with Damian Lillard. He joined Milwaukee as an assistant to step in as like a mentor to Griffin as well because he's a first-time head coach. They had a big blow-up because Griffin was under the impression Stotts was trying to undermine him. So it was a big blow-up in front of the team. Stotts ends up resigning a few days later. That did not set well with the team. 
That's not leadership. That's problem number one. Problem number two, schematics, philosophy, X's and O's, whatever you want to call it. This defense is in the toilet right now. They have prided themselves on defense and defensive efficiency the last few years. They're 22nd in the NBA. Now, granted, they have some different parts, no Drew Holiday, but the scheming and the decision-making on behalf of Griffin was flawed from the beginning. Brooks Lopez is one of the best defenders in the NBA. He plays under the basket. He protects the rim. All right, Griffin had him out covering the pick and roll on the high end. They were moving him away from the basket. It was flawed. You were taking guys that were good at something and putting them in a bad situation. And then number three, Damian Lillard. You brought him in for a reason. His usage rate is way down. Now, it should be down a little bit because he did everything in Portland and he has Giannis in Milwaukee, but his usage rate is much further down in terms of how he's being utilized than it should be for a player of his magnitude, okay? Leadership. X's and O's with Lopez, X's and O's with Lillard. He failed on all three fronts. And as a result, despite being 30 and 13, the organization said, our results are fine, our process is flawed. We need to get better. Griffin's out, and then you bring in Doc Rivers, who no doubt is going to be an upgrade. How big? That's for the debate, but it is an upgrade. Three detailed, outstanding reasons for the situation. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter. They're wrong. And here's why. Number one, your defense, when you swap out Drew Holiday for Dame Lillard, is going to take a massive hit. Dame Lillard is not interested in playing a ton of defense. Are you wrong about Brook Lopez? You're not. You're not. Brook Lopez was brought back because he's an outstanding shot blocker. Outstanding. And he needs to be under the basket doing that. I don't disagree with that. You fire a coach over that? Number two, when I look at that situation as it played out during the preseason, I'm supposed to get wrapped up in firing a coach after 40 games being the right move when it's clear that the superstar on the team made this decision on both ends. Can we get on Giannis for this? Because there is no way that he gets hired to be their head coach if Giannis doesn't sign off on it. Remember, when Adrian Griffin was hired, Giannis had not yet signed his extension. So you're going to tell me they made that decision without him? Of course they didn't. I agree with you there. Giannis signs off on it, and then two and a half, three months later, hey, let's fire him. Giannis, you good with that? Yeah. I'll tell you what, Giannis has got a lot of blood on his hands here, okay? And we can talk about process versus results, and we understand the talent level on this team I don't see how you don't ride out an entire season with a guy that you just hired as opposed to bringing in somebody when you when you say it's the best option that they had. Doesn't that speak to the idea that maybe we shouldn't make a change if the option that we have is not going to be any better with a proven poor playoff record? That's that's your viewpoint. I think their viewpoint is they are getting better with Rivers, and that's where I agree. I think that Rivers, uh, you're not wrong about everything you say regarding his history in the postseason. You're not wrong. Still better than what they had in Adrian Griffin. You had problems with leadership. You had problems with philosophy. Now, for Giannis, you know what? Blood on his hand, sure. And I'm sure he signed off on it, both the hiring and the firing. But if we made a mistake, don't we want to correct the mistake? What are we going to do? You see, we can't have it both ways. In Dallas, we want to run McCarthy out because he can't win in the playoffs. And when the Cowboys keep him, we say, what are they doing? You're just going to get the same result. But I'm not doing that in the middle of the first season. Right, but you only see it from the outside. These guys see it every day. 
Dame Lillard knows he's not being utilized properly. The defense has fallen off, and the coach doesn't have answers. He's using the players in an incorrect way, or he's using them in a suboptimal way would be a better way of phrasing that. And from a leadership perspective, we can go back to the Stotts thing. You can lose a locker room quickly. Stotts is a veteran head coach, and Lillard's been with him a long because time. If, if I, Lillard's vouching for him, that's going to play big in the locker room. Well, but let me ask you this. Has it ever been the case where anybody in the NBA has been trying to undermine somebody else? Dear God, the Game of Thrones that happens in sports all the time, and Terry Stotts is the one that decided to walk away from it. So, listen, I get that Terry Stotts is a guy that's been a coach in the league for a long time and has that relationship with Lillard. It's clear to me that there were things going on here. And, listen, from talking to people, I don't think anything nefarious was going on by any stretch of the imagination. This feels like what you're talking about, that they feel like they needed to make a change. I don't make a change until I see through an entire year when I don't have a better option immediately. I want to fire Mike McCarthy because I can go hire Bill Belichick. I want to fire Nick Sirianni if I'm the Eagles because I can have a better option out there, but I chose not to do that. To me, it depends on what your options are. That's that's really what it's all about. And, and in this instance, I've got a major problem with Giannis. Well, wait, I mean, wait, wait. Why would you? Why were you? Why would you advocate sticking with Griffin? Why are I we would sticking advocate with sticking with Griffin because that team is thirty and thirteen. But it's and despite him, not because of him. How can I? How do I know that for sure? Because of Giannis and because of Damian Lillard. But doesn't it make? Superstars win basketball games. I understand that, but doesn't it make everyone look stupid when the superstar signed off on the hiring and 40 games in, he's ready to move on? It can look stupid, or you can portray it as, hey, these people are cerebral enough to realize they made a mistake. They don't carry the ego of trying to cram it down everyone's throat by saying, you know what, we're going to keep them. We're going to prove everyone that we were right. They sit there and they go, look, we screwed up. We've got to get better. Rivers might not be the best coach in the NBA, but he's a seasoned vet. He understands how to run a defense. We can bring someone in that gives us better leadership, better experience, and understands the X's and O's better. We have a chance to upgrade. Maybe it's not a great upgrade to your point, but they feel it's an upgrade. They're trying to get better. Process over results. This is a process where a team is 30 and 13, and they see a way to get better. I I can't fault them for that. Look. Adrian Griffin may very well have been overmatched in the situation. I think what you just did by not waiting until at least the offseason to do something like this, depending on how far you got, is you basically went to Doc and said, here you go, fix it. He can't fix it. And and that's not going to be something that's going to help them in the postseason. You've got Dame Lillard, who ain't exactly a spring chicken, man. You talk about windows and all that stuff, you better cash in on that kind of ability sooner rather than later. You and I both agree on one thing. It's clearly about the players in the end. We agree on two things. That and big water is in cahoots with big toilet. I'm so glad you went there because I've been itching like hell to get that out there. Sometimes you just get silenced on things, and you open the door, and I thank you. All-time callback. An all-time callback moment it's up right there. there. I'll tell That's you it for me, everybody. The stand-up comedy effect that you bring to this show each and every day.
top-notch. Carlin versus Joe presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. We're going to get more insight on Doc, how he could potentially help one hour from now when we welcome in three-time NBA champion Danny Green, who of course played for Doc in Philly. He's going to join us at 1 p.m. Eastern today. Up next, two of the NFL's very best are going head on to each other this weekend. We're going to tell you what it's going to take to slow down both of them. Next, Carlin versus Joe, just getting rolling on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Lamar Jackson has been asked year after year to do more with less. They're going to throw a tight end screen left to Kelsey. Trying to angle to the far pylon. And that now sets an all-time NFL postseason record. Mahomes to Kelsey 16 times. Patrick Mahomes is building a resume like we've never seen before. What he is doing is off the charts. It is absolutely amazing. And as I said the other day, Joe, the other night was the first time I felt like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has got a real good chance to catch Brady. I really felt that way with this in terms of Super Bowls. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. But the, the issue here is that both of these teams, the Ravens and the Chiefs, have got their work cut out for them in terms of stopping or at least trying to limit the other quarterback somehow. And I think let's just take this from Ryan Clark, first of all, to kind of set us up here. The idea he has asked about is who is more dangerous, Mahomes or Lamar? So I'm going to say Lamar Jackson. And these questions are hard because I'm not picking Lamar Jackson because I don't believe in Patrick Mahomes. Because I do. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL now. And to me, already the second greatest behind Tom Brady and inching up closer to him but when you look at who Lamar Jackson is now Lamar Jackson is a reluctant runner of the football 
And still, when he runs it, you can't get him on the ground. Go back to that fourth and one naked bootleg call. And Lamar Jackson is in the open field, and he's making it look like Little League. It's back to the play that Tom Brady was talking about him making in high school where he stopped and the dude flew out of bounds. Lamar Jackson treats NFL athletes like high school athletes when he has the football in his hand. This is what really jumps out to me. I don't know that I would agree with Ryan in calling him a reluctant runner. I would call him more a more selective runner than maybe he used to be because he has it locked up. But Joe, if I'm thinking about trying to contain either one, trying to contain Lamar Jackson just feels incredibly difficult to do. This is just one of those fun conversations, right? Yeah. Like, it's a fun conversation because you're not going to get locked in fighting with who's more dangerous. Well, here's the definition of dangerous, and by that definition, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Like, how are you going to pick Lamar over Mahomes in anything? But conversely, in terms of defensive coordinators not getting any sleep at night, how are you going to get a good night's rest knowing you got Lamar Jackson this week? It's two very different quarterbacks that present two very different, yet at times similar problems to opposing defensive personnel. I'm fascinated by this matchup. Absolutely fascinated by the matchup because this is the next step in Lamar Jackson's maturation. He gets a new offensive coordinator this year. I think you use the right word. He's more selective with when he decides to run, which is why Lewis Riddick, I believe, talked about this during the Texans game in the first half when they were struggling a little bit to make plays in that second quarter. You got to bring five against Lamar Jackson. You got to bring five. You got to speed up the process. Don't allow him to work through his progressions. Because in the past, if you'd bring five and not give him time to work through his progressions, he was thinking run first. He's out and he's making plays. Now it's been cooked into him. Be patient. Work through the progressions. Let's trust the process here. Well, if that's how he's acting, get in between that. Like in Inception, get in between the dream creating and dream making sequence, and that's where you step in and you steal the valuable information. That's when you disrupt Lamar Jackson. Get back there, and Houston did that early. And then Baltimore came out in the second half and said, we're just going to do a bunch of checkdowns. Short, intermediate crossing routes. We're going to get comfortable. We're going to get the ball out quickly. And then it was a completely different game. So can Kansas City generate pressure consistently, successfully, while containing Jackson in the pocket with five guys? That's going to be a big question for their defense and Steve Spagnuolo this week. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius 6M Channel 80. Okay, as far as stopping Lamar, <laughs> or rather stopping uh, uh, Mahomes. Let's use the term limiting. All right, limiting. I think they've earned that. So here are some stats that were somewhat eye-opening to me in relation to this year. We can find a 1,000 incredible Patrick Mahomes stats yeah. in a very positive way. But here are some that kind of threw me off a little bit, and it's related strictly to this season. And that's important to remember, and I'll tell you why in a second. Good tease. I'm I'm excited. As you should be. Edge of your seat. Don't fall off. (laughs) When pressured this season, Patrick Mahomes completing 48% of his passes for six touchdowns, seven interceptions, and less than six yards of pass attempt. Lamar Jackson in that same situation. 54%, seven touchdowns, one interception, nearly eight yards per. Now, it's important that 
it's this year to note that because when we have pointed to it before, when you're talking about pressuring a guy, you never wanted to bring blitzes or do anything out of the ordinary against Mahomes because he was going to smoke you for it, yep. just like Brady used to. But, Joe, I wonder if those numbers are that way this year, that they are negative to a degree, because there's some insecurity in Mahomes about who his playmakers are now. No doubt. No doubt that's a contributing factor. The question is how much, but we've watched him evade pressure only to watch his wide receivers drop passes. Yeah. And I'd also venture to say this, and it's not to knock him because he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Travis Kelsey's had a few drops this year too. There have been plenty yeah. of moments where, you know, you'd figure he'd come up with it and he doesn't. And that'll happen. No big deal. But the drops have been a big problem for Kansas City this year. You know, I'm going through that this morning. I'm thinking, oh, I got this lined up. I'm all over the Ravens. Okay, here we go. Bingo, bingo, bongo, right? Yeah. Then I see some more stats, and it just depresses me because I thought I had my take, and it's out the window. Oh, we're, we're, are uh, we switching takes here? Not, not we take, moving to Kansas se. City? I meant take in terms of a selection, I should say. Okay, so pick-wise, are we starting to lean towards Kansas City? Because a little, little Las Vegas update for everybody. Market's starting to move to four in this game. Very really? interesting. Ravens opened as low as a three-point favorite. Key number of three, very essential. Got bet up to three and a half. We saw two sharp Vegas books yesterday move up to four. They're taking Raven money. So I'm still on the Ravens. But then, I, you know, I see that stat, and I'm like, oh, yeah. This is it. That's how we're going to do it. We got it. Gonna, we got them, everybody. I figured out how to beat Las Vegas. You're welcome. <laughs> Here it is on this yellow pad. I've got a Everything roulette system you for you. How about this? All right. Patrick Mahomes is 4-0 against teams that led the NFL in sacks. In the playoffs, this is. Patrick Mahomes, in five straight playoff games, has not thrown an interception. He is 3-1 against the number one scoring defense in the league in the playoffs. Oh, crap. It's all out the window. Well, well, well. Hold, <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. A lot of that has happened in the past. Yes. No, that's the, the better point. team around him. That's but, the point. But that is but still it, remarkable as to what Mahomes has accomplished going against the absolute best of the best. But here's what would scare me on our Ravens take right now. Oh, I'm not scared on the Ravens. You're on the Ravens wholeheartedly. I love the Ravens. I love yeah. the Ravens too much. Here's, I love them so much. My wife and kids have been pushed to the side. That's how yeah. much I love the Ravens. Yeah. That's actually not true if my in-laws are listening. You're shopping for a home with the Ravens. Right I am. Now. Me and the Ravens are looking to put down 20% yep. and get a nice white picket fence. Checking out the school systems, yeah. the whole thing. Is this a good school? Because me and my lovely darling wife, Miss Baltimore, it's very important <laughs> that we have our children in the best possible school. Well, the only thing that scares me about it is that I wonder if Mahomes kind of got that mojo back last week with what happened in Buffalo because there were a lot of big, big plays made. A lot of big plays made. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Hey, you know, when you're trying to find quality candidates, all the searching, screening, interviewing, it can become a job itself. You need to hire Indeed, the all-in-one platform. That makes it easy to interview, screen, and hire quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. In moments, Mike McCarthy entering the 2024 season without a contract extension. Will Dak Prescott do the same? It's next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, including the iHeartRadio app. 
This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I said earlier, I believe in Dak Prescott. I think he's clearly the answer. Uh, he's part of the solution moving forward. Here's a guy who's 2-5 and five in the playoffs and never gotten past the divisional round. Do you want to extend that quarterback when in his first eight years he's not shown you he can do it? What they have to figure out is, can they get Dak Prescott to be the guy when the lights are the absolute brightest in January as the same person they are in you know, September, October, November, December? I, like many other people, was sitting here last week knocking Dak Prescott for throwing the two interceptions that he did that led directly to 14 points for the Packers and just a horrific loss. But I'll tell you, everything that's happened since kind of has me on his side. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm a weather vane this last week. You, Whichever way it's blowing, I can absolutely turn around. I knew it blew you away, that I wasn't killing Josh Allen the other day. Now the Dak thing, because all that's going on around him, CeeDee Lamb's mom, do I need to hear from your mom when I just got you 135 catches, 1,800 yards, and 12 touchdowns, and it's been better each and every year? Tell mom to put a sock in it. Hey, that's family, okay? Good luck. Good luck with that. Because I think I speak for probably literally everybody on the planet. There's no doing that. I mean, what are you going to do? How are you going to control something like that? Andrew Hawkins was on the set of uh, ESPN Bet Live yesterday, right? Fine program on ESPN2. We're back Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. And I was asking him about this. I'm like, this has got to be stuff from the locker room that these guys say to their families and then their families go and put it out there, right? And he's like, surprisingly, he's like, no, family's just going to be family. He goes, yeah. I don't know. He wasn't speaking specifically to Dallas because he said he didn't know. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he's like, that's family. They're, they're going to take their platforms and they're going to speak their mind because they have their opinions. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe I had some of this wrong. Now he said in the instance of, you know, Steph Diggs and his brother, those guys are both in the business. Yeah. So they clearly understand the parameters and they're probably talking, but that's a different story. Well, it really is a very interesting situation when you think about the Cowboys and whether or not you think Dak is the answer, you at least have to acknowledge that right now, Dak is their best option. And this is another one of those circumstances, Joe, where you have to tell me what the solution is if you're going to decide to move on from Dak. So this coming year is the final year of his contract. And there's a great story, or rather just kind of a layout from Todd Archer, who, Todd Archer, who covers the Cowboys for ESPN NFL Nation. And it's on ESPN.com. And he points out the Cowboys offseason this year is going to be defined by what happens with Dak because he's got a $59 million cap figure 
for this coming year. It's second largest in the league to Deshaun Watson. And, of course, this is the last year of his deal. And we would also operate under the assumption that a uh, an extension would have to happen from a cap standpoint and also you want to keep him for the long term. But remember this, his contract says that the Cowboys cannot tag him next year if he becomes a free agent. Yeah, that that's interesting. And if you're Dak and you're listening to all this nonsense go on around you, maybe just maybe you say, yeah, you know what, on the extension, I'm a good, I'm going to sit tight here. Listen to Kimberly Martin and Jeff Saturday discuss it this morning on Get Up. It may not be CD telling his mom to say this or Micah telling his brother to say this, but this is the reality. In Dallas, everything is bigger. You hey, have to know this is poetic, going to be an issue. Poetic justice, sit on that 59 mil and yeah. bust that cap and sit around, bro. I'm telling you right, if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm, I'm petty. I'm petty. I, I get oh, it. Oh, 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 the leverage. This is the dream scenario for any human being to have this much leverage, let alone in the in the public in the public spotlight for yeah. everyone to see. First of all, this is why exactly why Jerry Jones can't be in charge of the day to day operations because this is a massive mistake on behalf of the front office. How do you let one player? Any player have this much leverage over you, the organization. So to recap, Dak is entering the final year of his contract. $59 million is the cap hit. That is a monster number. And you can't put the franchise tag on him. So here are your options. One, you can give him a boatload of money with an extension so that you can prorate the $59 million that's on the cap this year and make that number more palatable which is what you got to consider because C.D. Lamb is in the fifth year of his five-year rookie contract. They picked up the fifth-year option. And Micah Parsons is one year behind that, and his deal is going to be coming up as well. Or you can decide, you know what, we're not going to break the bank for Dak, which you're going to have to do because you have no leverage. You could say we're going to let him play it out, but then he's going to hit free agency. He's going to get deals from other teams. And again, you're carrying a $59 million cap number. Garland, like this is the dream for Prescott. His agents, himself. This is the scenario everyone dreams of. It is. And and look, look around. <laughs> How does Jerry let this happen? And think about this, too. Oh. Right now, they're $20 million over the cap for next year already. So it's not just Dak at this point. It's, oh, remember when Zach Martin was out during training camp last yeah. year? His number, if they tried to just cut him and move on from him, can't do that. Can't do that. He doesn't save you any money. Same thing, Trevon Diggs. Can't do that. Terrence Steele can't do that. Like they've got a number of guys that are making an absurd amount of money that you can do nothing with unless you're going to restructure 10 guys. And that's going to destroy your cap over the next four years. And you got to pay CD lamb this year. Like, what are you going to do? He's entering year five. You're not going to pay him and Oh, yeah. we'll just, we'll hit him with the franchise. Take. Like that's not how you treat your guys. He's produced yeah. at a high level. Now is the time you got to get ready to pay him. If you want to do good business and you want your players to be happy, you don't screw around anymore. He's proven. It. So what do you do here? What do you do? Dallas would have to absolutely break the bank. If I'm Prescott, I say I'm the highest paid QB in the NFL by a wide margin. Like what if Prescott pushes for the full guarantee? If he pushes for the Deshaun Watson contract, he actually has the leverage to he try has, to pull something like that off. He has the leverage, but there's a line. There, There is a line 
that Jerry cannot cross. Now, massive leverage he has. Because again, I'll go back to what I originally said. If you're going to move on from him, what's the solution? It's not like you're in prime position here to get your quarterback in the draft. So if you want to try to do that, you're going to probably move up unless you're a big J.J. McCarthy guy. You can't go rookie. McCarthy's back on the last year of his deal. This has to be a push. Orlovsky's right. This is a push the chips to the center of the pot here. You're You're not starting a rookie and trying to figure out what's next under McCarthy just so you can fire McCarthy when things don't go well and then the new coach inherits the quarterback. Like, Prescott is your guy. You are going to have to give him a monster contract or just let him play out this year with McCarthy and then probably risk letting them both go. I'll tell you what, blank them picks. It's going to be very, very intriguing and drama-filled in Dallas over the next few months. Good I for love Dak, it. man. Good oh. for Dak. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Joseph, we'll keep it in the NFC East because you talk about drama mm. and you talk about issues. Mm. You talk about Philadelphia. Oh, here we go. The Eagles are going to speak today, their head coach, Nick Sirianni, and Howie Roseman, their GM. I got a little insight on that situation today. And maybe the problem is not what we all think right now. Oh, great. We'll discuss next on ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Keep an eye on Philadelphia today. Very interesting doings today. Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joseph, uh, about an hour and 45 minutes from now, at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are scheduled to meet the media in Philadelphia for their end-of-the-year kind of wrap-up news conference. And so you can certainly infer from that that Sirianni is going to be back as the head coach. They have cut loose Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, and they have cut loose Sean Desai. So I was talking to some people down in Philly today. Made a couple phone calls? Made a couple phone calls. You know, just check-in kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Just, let's just call it people in the know, so to speak. Big Dom? No. Not okay, just just figured I'd throw Dom. that one out there. I don't know Big Dom. I don't need Big Dom to find a restaurant. Figures like Big Chris with no Big Dom. <laughs> we could get mistaken for one another if you put me in a bunch <laughs> of Eagles gear, that's for sure. So, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about has been around not just the head coaching situation, but around Howie Roseman and protecting power. And we see that all over professional sports. He's certainly not alone in that. Everybody, it's a constant Game of Thrones everywhere we look right now. For Pete's sake, we were just talking about what was going on in Milwaukee. But it feels like Howie Roseman has really been the guy that has been pushing the buttons. And when things don't go right, has been masterful at assigning blame. And I use that phrase in particular because I remember when I first went to work in Philly, 
I was kind of checking in on all the different teams. So I talked to people I knew around the league, and somebody said that to me about the Colangelos. They are masterful at assigning blame. (laughs) And it feels the same way right now with Howie Roseman. But the thing, like all of that I expected to hear, right? Howie's going to have a big say in what goes on in the field, and they're not going to bring in one of those coaches like a Belichick or those big-time guys who's going to usurp any kind of power in the building. Now, the thing that I was really interested in, Jalen Hurts does not have the best reputation in that locker room right now. Oh, boy. I am shocked by that. But apparently, just talking to people, there is a sense that after last year, he has kind of taken a step back in terms of being part of a tight-knit group in there, and it's rubbing people the wrong way. Does this go hand in hand with the contract? I don't know that paid. I would. I, I don't. I don't know that I would say that because I. I don't think you're going to look at Jalen Hurts and say that guy's not working hard enough. Like he didn't get the contract and then decide he's going to pack it in. You know, like like Tony Romo. He didn't do that. <laughs> but Romo catching shrapnel again. <laughs> he's he's having a hell of a week on well, this it's show. It's the first thing that comes to mind as far as that kind of. Well, thing. yeah, I mean, Tony, you are so you know we're yeah. hearing it every week. So you know you you nothing do something about it. It's, nothing I'm saying that isn't true. Anyway, um, like it's just you know not that's being more removed from the group. And one person put it like this, and this is a dangerous phrase that you know as a Philly guy that you do not want to hear right now. It's giving some Carson Wentz vibes. Oh, come on. He didn't say that. He, this person said that. No it's one, wants, no one wants to be linked to that. Vibes. No. No. Wow. No. So, okay, so to reiterate here, the idea is that it's not that he's not working as hard since he got the new contract. The thought right. process is that he's just not a part of the group. He's not one of the guys like he apparently had been in the past. The money maybe has changed him a bit? I, I, again, I can't speak to that okay. part of it because that's not really what I heard. Okay. I just heard he's more removed from the situation to the point where, like, hey, you know, guys wanted him to hang out more, and he wasn't necessarily doing that. Is that and wrong? Is that a bad thing? I think it's. I think it's more of if you're going to be the leader of a team for a long time and you're going to get paid accordingly, you need to act that role in every single way. Okay. And it feels like that might be a bigger issue right now with the Eagles than anything else. Like, you've got all the drama around the head coach who we've called a front runner because when things are going great, you feel good about the situation. But when things are going badly, he cannot come up with the solution to the problem. And he was he didn't have any issue moving on from his coordinators. That seems pretty clear. But now you add in the quarterback to that, maybe not being as connected with those guys as he had been in years past? Well, you know, regardless of all of that, the numbers are down this year. The production is down. You got the big contract. You're coming off the Super Bowl performance. People are going to expect big things, both on and off the field. And the completion percentage is down. The yards per game is down. The touchdowns are down. The turnovers are way up. He did not play well, and we can easily point to the coordinators and blame them. We can point to some of the injuries and blame them, but at some point, we got to look at the quarterback, and we got to say, you got to be able to make some plays. He made almost zero plays in that game against the Buccaneers, and what's troubling is that down the stretch, 
He had these moments with the media after the Seattle game where he talked about people's commitment and things like that. It didn't look, outsider's perspective, it didn't look like he was rallying the troops on the sideline. It didn't look like anyone was really responding to him. Maybe he's more of a lead-by-example rather than a vocal leader type. We see Lamar get quite vocal. There's a story coming off the win over Houston about how vocal he was in the locker room at halftime there and how that kick-started a big second half for the Ravens. Maybe that's not necessarily hurts, but if you're an Eagle fan, you're not at all impressed with what you saw from him this season because you were supposed to see big things. And I know we always point to the rushing touchdowns, right? We always look, where's the numbers? I got to bring it up. Oh, he ran for 15 touchdowns this year. Look, how many of those were guys shoving him in from the one-yard line? Yeah. Okay? It's one thing when you're scrambling from 12 yards out on third down to make a huge play like we saw Josh Allen do in the playoffs, and Hurts is capable of doing that. But it's another thing when it's like, whoa, 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Well, I mean, 15 rushing touchdowns, 15 rushing yards. It's still something, but that's not – it's a little bit misleading when you point to that stat. Uh, Absolutely it is. And and listen, I also want to factor in that he was hurt. It's pretty clear he was not 100% during the season. So if he went into a shell and just kind of pulled away from everybody, eh, you you can't do that as a quarterback. You you cannot be that guy. You can be that guy at another position on the team, but when you just got that contract – that, that can't be what goes on. And frankly, I, I mean, I was very surprised to hear, because I'd heard whispers that maybe Jalen was part of the problem. And then just kind of getting it somewhat confirmed today was alarming to me. Because I'm a Jalen Hurts guy, but boy, that that's a problem. Joe. All right, so let's do this. Way too early predictions, not locking yeah. in, but just where we stand right now. What do the Eagles look like next year? I'm not talking about record, and I'm not talking about where they finish in the division or in the NFC or anything like that. Just are they organized next year? Are they back to being a competent, organized football team? Or does this disorganization, this dysfunction from this past year, does it carry over into next season? I guess I'd ask you this question. Without answering mine? That's how that works? That's how I'm answering it. What do they look like? Well, how often does it work when you keep the head coach and then you're changing coordinators, but it's pretty clear the head coach is on the clock. Doesn't work very often. It is. It is a. (laughs) And and, and listen, I'm the one that said, I think Sirianni deserves another opportunity, but it's not like that front office has just taken this year and kind of written it off and said, no, he's our guy. What are you talking about? Of course, like they, they squarely put him in trouble. He, he did some himself too, but he's, they squarely put him in trouble. So I think when you do that kind of thing, it makes it a lot more difficult to be successful. And I would say that the majority of their success next year is on Jalen. Do you like, think – sorry, go ahead. No, if all that stuff's happening, Jalen's got to fix it. Do you think going back to that Seattle press conference when he was talking about commitment being mm. an issue and we were trying to – sort through that and see who he was talking about. Do you think it was possible he was talking about himself? I, I doubt that. He he then went on to say he was talking about himself, if I'm not mistaken, and we were all like, oh, he's just covering up because I he realized that was a huge mistake. Yeah. But if what you're saying is true, that maybe he was a little bit more withdrawn, maybe he recognized he wasn't as committed to his teammates as he could have been. Maybe he was being 100% honest the whole time. Listen, it's it's hard to tell what that dynamic is, but it doesn't sound like from talking to people that it's what it needs to be by any stretch. And this is not me, you know, 
saying factually Jalen Hurts is a major problem, but it doesn't sound like he's in the midst of really helping it. And it sounds like there's a lot of work to be done with his relationship with his teammates. Well, I'm on the Sixers either way. I'm on the Sixers. (laughs) You're already We're winning it this year. (laughs) 